Well, we are in a series called Hearing from Him, and we're going to continue on that tonight. Romans 8, 14, you don't have to turn here. I'm going to go over several scriptures uh, quickly uh, just to um, connect with where we've been, and then we'll go forward. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. For it, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. In other words, sons and daughters of God are led by Him. You can expect to be led, receive instruction, receive in, uh, direction from God. Verse 16 says, the, say, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. So He doesn't bear witness with our head, doesn't bear witness with our flesh or a body, doesn't, he bears witness with our heart, our spirit, the real us. And we spent some time touching on that, but that's very important. Because as we're talking about even the things we'll get into tonight, yet we need to understand it's not our head that he's bearing witness with. It's not that the, our head that is going to, um, he's going, that, that his direction is going to resonate with. It's not our flesh, it's our heart. Um, in the Amplified Bible, in, in Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies together with our own spirit. He testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God, and this is how He leads us in anything. This is how He tells us and confirms that we are children of God, but it's also how He's going to lead you and guide you. The number one way He's going to lead you, apart from His Word, is by... Uh, your spirit. Colossians 3.15 and says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And we, we spent some time here that it's the peace of God that's going to lead us. That bearing witness is going to be uh, peace. You're going, to sense a, uh, you're going to have a sense of peace when you're following Him. It's not going to be chaos. It's not going to be fear. It's not going to be a pushing. It's not going to be a driving. It's going to be peaceful. And that God's leading is always going to be peaceful. But it's going to be peaceful in your heart, not necessarily in your head, not in your flesh. In other words, your flesh may be going, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Inside you have complete peace. Your, your, your head may be saying, I don't see how this is going to work. But you're not looking at your head, you're looking at your heart, and your heart will be peaceful. That's what you're looking for. Your mind could say, oh, this looks awesome. This is all going to work out. And you could say it has peace in your mind. But if on the inside, your spirit is saying, warning, warning, this doesn't look right. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't peaceful. That's, that's the umpire. That's what we're going by. Uh, John 10, verse 1 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, notice that, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. 
Now notice that. We're going to touch on that more tonight. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus, or they're not used to, they're not familiar with. Um, Verse 10, let's skip to verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So the thief is the stranger. He's the one that would try to lead in a different way than the shepherd. But the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So if we're following God, we're in the path of life and that more abundantly. We start listening to the stranger, that's destruction. And so we, we've been emphasizing what's the difference. What is God's leading? What is it like? And then Satan, the devil, he'll also try to lead you. What does that look like? And we're going to spend some more time there tonight. Uh, John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. Everybody say, I hear God's voice. voice. Everybody say, "I I know God's voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. So Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice, that no one's able to snatch them out of his hand. I'm going to read these scriptures um, briefly as well, just put them up on the screen. We covered these last week. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil seeks whom he may devour. Verse 9, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. So it says, The devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it also says, Resist him. Now, if he could just go around and devour any, anybody and you couldn't do anything about it, then there's no point in saying to resist him because he can just do whatever he wants. If he could just do whatever, if he could already take you out, then he could have already done it. See, the devil is a, a liar. We're going to touch base on that or touch on that in a moment. He's a liar and he wants you to think that uh, for the Christian that he has authority over you. He does not. He doesn't have authority over you, but he is, it says he goes about like a roaring lion. He's roaring. He's making a lot of noise. He's trying to intimidate. He's trying to get people to bow to him, to kowtow to him. But if we resist him, then uh, he doesn't have any power in our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Well, if you, it says don't give the devil any place, nor give place to the devil. If he could just do whatever he wanted, then it wouldn't matter if you gave him place or not. He would just come in and take it. But that's not the case. We have to give him place. When we're talking about being led, and we're going to focus on you know, some parts of how the enemy would try to lead us, but we need to understand we just don't give him place. We need to recognize, oh wait, that's the enemy. He's trying to do something. Don't give him any place. Resist him. We've talked a lot about 
uh, covered this, and we don't have time to, re to, to cover these things again, but go back and listen to the messages if you didn't hear them. What does it sound like, or sounds the wrong word, we're not talking about audibly, but what is it like when God's leading us? And we said it's peaceful, it's calm, it's gracious, it's kind, it's not driving. We spent some time on this uh, the last few weeks. The devil will try to drive, he'll try to push, he'll try to coerce, he not even, he's forceful. That's not, that's not God. That's not the way God leads. But Satan will try to come in and get leverage and get a place, but we need to resist him. We're going to talk about some uh, other aspects of how he tries to, to get in there tonight. James 4, 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, submit to God. Submit to His leading, submit to His direction, His plan for your life, and then when the devil tries to push on you, if he tries to lead you, if he tries to put pressure, resist him, and the Bible says he will flee. Didn't say he would maybe flee. Doesn't say he'll flee if you yell. Doesn't say he'll flee if you stomp your feet. It just says, you resist him and he'll flee. You don't have to talk in a loud voice. You can just say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I resist you. Go. And he has to go. You don't have to get loud about it. That doesn't have anything to do with it. How, you know, if, the, if you have authority, you don't have to be loud. When you're, when you're starting to get upset, that, that's a sign you don't believe you have control. If you're trying to get somebody to do something, somebody that you should have authority over, if you start getting frustrated and yelling at them, and so it, it, it means you're frustrated that they're not listening to you and you don't feel like you're controlling it. Where if you know you have complete control, you can say it in a really quiet voice and tell them to comply, and they have to. And, you know, we know this. You know, a police officer does not have to yell at you to get you to comply. Should not. He just has to give the word. Amen? Because he has authority. Revelation 12, verse 7. says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael, and it, we're just, just, you don't have to uh, turn here either. Revelation 12, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The devil is a deceiver and a liar. And this is the vein we're going to cover tonight. Satan attempts to deceive. He attempts to lie. No, we're talking about being led. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The voice of the stranger they will not follow. Satan is the stranger. Satan will try to lead the people of God. He'll try to lead the children of God. And one of the ways he does it, we talked about the fact that he's forceful, he's pushy. He'll, he'll try to drive people. That's one aspect. He is also deceptive and cunning. And he tries to deceive people. So it says here, he the, called the devil and Satan, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. John 8, verse 44. Go ahead and look at John 8. 
John 8, verse 44. John 8, 44 says, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He's talking to religious leaders. It says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Notice that. There is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Notice it says there is no truth in him. That means he lies continually. In the Amplified Classic, uh, John 8, 44, the last part of it says, When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar himself, and the father of lies, and of all that is false. He is a liar himself, and the father of lies, and all that is false. In the New Living Translation, it says, When he lies, it is consistent with his character. What's a character? That means what you do all the time. Satan's character is lying. He's a deceiver. He lies. He can't help himself. He is a liar and the father of lies. So Satan, not only, he doesn't lie sometimes. He doesn't just tell a lie. He is the father of it. He lies perpetually. All the time. There's no truth in him. There's not like, well, you know, do you get him on a good day or a bad day? Sometimes he tells a little bit of truth, and sometimes, as far as any statement, there, there's never a pure truth statement that he says. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 says, For such men... Or sorry, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles, the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So Paul talking about some individuals that are uh, being false and how they're uh, presenting themselves and going about things. And he said, these are false apostles. And he said... They're transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They're trying to be like apostles of Christ when they're really not. And he said, And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to the works. Satan presents himself as an angel of light, tries to pass himself off, as God and godly. And this is one of the ways he tries to lead people. By deception, and if he can get you to believe that it's God speaking, 
then he can get you to go the wrong path. In the Amplified Classic, it says, For such men are false apostles, spurious, spurious counterfeits, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles, special messengers of Christ the Messiah. Verse 14, And it is no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Verse 15, So it is not surprising if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness, but their end will correspond with their deeds. So Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. So how does he deceive? How does he attempt to lead Christians or anybody? He'll lead, you know, any number of things, uh, people. He, he is called, we read in Revelation, he's a deceiver. He's the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. So he's good at it. You know, you don't like to say good things about him, but Satan is deceptive. To think he's not is pride. You, you're, you, you set yourself up to be deceived. If you think you can't be deceived, you surely will be deceived. Satan himself was so full of pride. So he loves to get people into pride. He deceives people. People that are full of pride are easy to deceive. Satan just come up to him and be like, well, you're awesome. You're, he'll pump them so full, have them believing they're so much further than they are. Well, you won't fall like this other person. You won't do this. That They're an easy target. He'll pump them so full they don't see the thing right in front of them that they're about to fall headlong, destroy their whole life, and boom, easy. He's deceptive. He's cunning. Not, we're not pumping, we're not glorifying the devil. We just need to understand our enemy. He deceives the whole world. So as far as men are concerned, in your natural ability, he's good at deceiving people. Without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, without knowing how to combat this, people will be easily deceived. And they are. Just look around. People have not received Jesus Believe he doesn't exist. Believe in some other religion or, or whatever. So he, die, he, he, does, he does this different ways. Bold-faced lies, just coming, you know, just getting people just to flat-out worship him. Well, that'll work on some people. There are people that are Satan worshipers. Some people that are, you know, witches and warlocks and flat-out go all in. That works on some people. And there are varying degrees of how much, uh, you know, the, the different types of lies. But one way he does that's very effective, remember, there's no truth in him. So it's not like he's telling the whole truth. Is by giving half-truths or quarter-truths or 75% truth. But it's not true. And it's very effective. How many of you have ever taken one of those tests and it had a true-false uh, section? And the question, you know, true or false? And the first part of the question is obviously true, true, true. And some people look at it and go, oh, this is true. They won't even read the rest of it because they're thinking this is true. And there's a part of it that's false. And if you don't read carefully, you're reading it, oh, well, that was, 
Wow, come on. Well, what's, what's the point of that question? Do you actually know? Yeah, we got the obvious, 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 oh, not so obvious, embedded in there. It doesn't matter if something is 99.9% .9 true. If it has one part that's false, that means it's false. Right? This is what Satan peddles in. And this is how he gets people to follow him. Because part of it sounds true. And he's deceptive. He, he's subtle. He doesn't come up and tell you, I'm telling you a falsehood right now. Can you guess which part is false? Doesn't do that. It sounds very much like, this is true. This is going to happen. He will paint pictures for people. He'll play videos in your head if you let him. And it seems like it's plausible. If it was so obvious, how could he deceive everybody? He wouldn't, be very, he wouldn't be able to deceive anybody if it was always so obvious. It's not obvious. Satan will tell you something that is true or sounds true. He'll even use scripture. He'll mix scripture in there with you. So some people hear scripture and go, well, the rest of it must be true. Nope. Well, he's quoting Bible. That's true, right? Ah, but how is he applying it? You can take two verses out of the Bible and say almost anything you want to say. Put them together where they don't be, they're not supposed to be together. And you can tell people to do what almost anything you want for them to do. Make some case just by throwing scripture. They're both scriptures. Or you could get 14 scriptures. But that's, that's how Satan works is, oh, this is true, that's the Bible. And he understands what you see and what you don't see. He understands where you're ignorant. He's not omnipotent, but he knows more than you and me in the natural. Don't fool yourself. You've been around a few decades. He's been around for thousands of years. Well, if you've been around for thousands of years, you've learned something too. So he'll throw something at you that looks true, true, but there's, there's false. There, he's not, there's no truth in him. So he's not going to tell you something that's completely true. Which is good news. Jumping ahead, if Satan is telling you something, you can identify it. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. It's not lining up with the way God speaks. And it may sound threatening, it may sound fear, like you try to instill fear in you, but if you know it's coming from him, you know it's a lie. Period. If it's coming from the devil, it's not true. So if we can distinguish, then we can understand, oh, well, that's Satan. Shut up. I'm not listening to you. That's wrong. It's just, you're, you're telling a lie. Of course, he'll try to be like, oh, well, what, you know, but this is true. But this is true. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on these things. See, it goes through the, th this list right here. 
If a thought doesn't pass this list, you ought to reject it because God is telling us what to think on. God's thoughts will pass this test, will line up with this. And see, something, you know, the first part of it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, and it keeps going. Well, somebody might have a thought and go, well, it's true, isn't it? It's true. I mean, you messed up here and here, and you're not so good at this. Well, that could be factual. But you stop there. What's the rest of the thought? Usually, well, you messed up, therefore you're going to fail. Therefore, your children aren't going to succeed. Therefore, you won't have enough money, etc., etc. See, that's a lie. That's how Satan will bring something to you. He'll try to put something into you and tell you, well, that's true. That's, this is inevitable. You're going toward this. That's not how God leads. God's not a downer. God's not telling you it's all over. God, it's never over with God. If, he's, if something is, it could be true, yeah, you made a mistake, okay. And if it's the enemy trying to push you, well, you need to do this because this happened. We talked about being led by fear and anxiety and pressure. God won't lead like that. But when you, what leads to that are thoughts of partial truths sometimes. Uh, you, you know, you messed up here, so you better go there. Or this might happen. Well, it might happen. But the, the insinuation is, and if it happens, you're going to be in trouble. God doesn't lead like that. He doesn't lead by pressure. That's not a true statement. If you want to know truth, if Jesus were here, how would he look at the situation? Okay, you messed up here. Well, let's get you out of it. Because with the Spirit of God, all things are possible, and you can come over, and you can still have a great life, and God will be there for you. See, those are truths. Satan will leave out that. And he'll focus on something. Yeah, you messed up, but... The thing he won't tell you is God is still with you. God is for you. The, he can do the impossible. He'll say things like, well, no, you messed up, so then this is going to happen. See, it doesn't pass muster with the rest of this verse. Whatever things are true, but whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. Right there. Is it of good report? If it's not of good report then throw it out. Can it be that easy? Well, what, why does God have to tell you the, da, the, the, the down story? Why does he have to... Why would God spend his time telling you about how bad your life's going to be? That's not him. That, he just doesn't do that. Now, don't get me wrong. If, if, if he's dealing with somebody specifically on something and, and warning them and correcting them, that's another thing. And it, but it's not... Oh my gosh, the sky's falling. It's going to be direct. It's going to be in a way you can understand. And it's not pushing, driving, condemning. It's change this and it'll be fine. Don't do it. You're headed for trouble. You need to change. But it's never, and there's nothing you can do about it. It is, he's dealing with somebody for the specific reason of getting them on the right track. Whereas Satan's voice is, you're going down. You're going to down. This happened and there's no way out. That's not God. But see, Satan will try to masquerade as God. He has a lot of people hoodwinked, too. Condemning voice. Well, God, you didn't do this. I know I didn't do it. The Bible says you should do this and this and this. I know. I, I haven't been reading. I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been. I, I know. Yeah. And you know, you should have been doing that. And they'll think it's God. 
God's convicting me. Is that the way God sounds? Does he beat you over the head? Does that help? Has anybody here have an experience where when you were learning something, either in school or sports or whatever, it really helped when you got beat up about it? Did that help you to learn? Did that, did that make you comfortable? Did that make you feel like you were going to succeed the next time? No, it makes you do worse. You know, you hear stories about when they're building skyscrapers. There's stories like in the, the 30s and whatever, and of course they have all kinds of rules and regulations now. But, you know, specific scenario where people were falling and they were so, they, but then they were so scared of falling that they would work very slow. So then they put nets in to where the people, even if they fell, they were safe, and they didn't have anybody even fall. And people were relaxed. They got their job done. Why? Because they weren't scared. Satan will try to lead by fear. He'll try to lead by um, pressure. He'll try to lead by, well, this is going to happen. But, he's, but it'll sound, he tries to make him sound like God, himself sound like God. He masquerades as God. And it can be very convincing if we don't know what to look for. If we've been religiously trained, instead of trained by the Bible growing up, there are whole segments of, of people that would confess Jesus, but it's very condemnation-oriented. It's very, you're going to mess up and you know, something wrong's going to happen to you. And so it's very easy to get hoodwinked into thinking something that condemns you, that beats you up, is God. And Satan is all too willing to come in and act like it's God pushing. But that's just not the way he leads. But he, 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 he does lead by, or he tries to, to get people off by deceiving them. Acts uh, 13, verse 6. Why don't you look at this? A couple examples we'll look at. <clears throat> one here in Acts, and then we'll look at one with Jesus. Acts 13, verse 6. Acts 13, verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, so same guy, they're just saying, it, you know, this is how it's translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So here's a guy, they're trying to preach to the guy, but the sorcerer is trying to deceive the guy and get him off. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, and notice what he says, O oh, full of all deceit, and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? That was not a politically correct thing to say at all. It was harsh, it was direct, but it was truth. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, 
not seeing the sun for a time, and immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Verse 12, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So this guy comes in, and he tries to disrupt what God is doing. He tried to stand in the way, and so he got taken out of the way. But verse... Um, In passing, look at, uh, notice in, in verse 8, it said he opposed them, seeking to keep the proconsul from accepting the faith. So he's trying to push. He, he is trying to manipulate and keep this man from accepting the faith. But look at verse 10. So this is somebody that follows the devil. This is somebody that is a sorcerer. This is, just like the Bible said, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, and his ministers do the same thing. Verse 10 said, you master in... Notice the way that says this in Amplified Classic. Can you go to the, the Amplified Classic? 13, verse 10. And said, you master in every form of deception and recklessness, unscrupulousness, and wickedness, you son of the devil... You enemy of everything that is upright and good, will you never stop perverting and making crooked the straight paths of the Lord and plotting against His saving purposes? Now, if this is true of this guy, this is infinitely more true, not infinitely maybe, but many times more true of Satan. I'm going to read this part again, because this is showing, this is how he works. This guy's trying to get in, and it, this guy... Uh, that, that they're preaching to, this sorcerer is trying to get in and mess it up and distort and deceive, and this is what Satan tries to do. It says, You master in every form of deception and recklessness, unscrupulousness and wickedness, you son of the devil, you enemy of everything that is upright and good. Will you never stop perverting? and making crooked the straight paths of the Lord, and plotting against His saving purposes. See, God's ways are straight. They're not complicated. They're simple. But Satan is always trying to get in there, muddy the water, distort, deceive, get it so that somebody is going off. This is what he does. Luke 4, verse 1. Let's turn over there. Luke 4, verse 1. says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So now we're seeing a really good example of how Satan works in this area, how he deceives, how he distorts. And he is doing it, trying to do this to Jesus. Now, Jesus is walking. He's 100% he's God, 100% man, but he's not walking as omniscient God. He's walking as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. As He, fa he faced the same challenges you and I face. So say, we can see how Jesus is dealing with the devil is how we need to deal with the devil when he comes and tries to, to lead us 
in this way, when he tries to deceive us, when he tries to bring half-truths, because everything that Satan brings is going to be a deception, be a lie. It's not true. But he's going to quote Scripture. He's going to bring things that sound true, but Jesus knows the Bible. Jesus knows Scripture. Jesus is being led by the Spirit. So he counters everything Satan tries to do. So we can learn by looking at him and how, but we can, we can learn how to deal with the devil. We also learn how Satan works and how he, he brings things to us. Verse 3 says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now he comes and he questions. Satan knows full well he's the Son of God. Satan knows who he is. That's why he's there. He knows he's, he wouldn't, just, he, his statement is on, false pre, on, on a false foundation right there. If you're the Son of God. Well, you don't say that to somebody if you're being honest and true. He's not being straightforward. He's, he's trying to get Jesus to fall. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Well, if God is really leading you that way, if God is really for you, why hasn't this happened? And that's the way he'll bring thoughts to you. Why is this going on? Why this? If God... See, he knows, he knows who God is, and he knows what he's done in your life, and, and he can see calls and leadings on people. But he'll question, well, what about this? See, the first part, maybe, we'll see, it doesn't look like something's happened. But the second part is he's questioning the character of God. We talked about this some on Sunday. He's trying to get you to judge God. He knows God's faithful. He knows God's right. But he's going to try to get you to question him. Because if he can get you separated from God, now you're just dealing with him. He can pick you off. So he's going to lie to you. Well, did God really tell you to do that? He may know very well that God told you to do that. He's just going to lie to you. So he says, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now he's trying to get him to do something, to prove something just out of the will of God. You don't do something because somebody wants you to prove it. You do something because God wants you to do it. It's in the Word, or you're being led to do it. We are under no obligation to prove anything to anybody. And you don't have to answer. Somebody asks you about something... You don't have to answer it. Well, are you feeling better on that? You don't have to get into your personal, uh, where you're at with symptoms or where you're at with the financial situation. Well, how's that going? You don't, you're under no obligation to answer. Things are going fine. Well, you're lying about it. No, things are going fine because I believe God I, and, I, and He's going to be, you don't have to lie about anything. Not everybody is privy to your business. We need to understand, we don't have to give details for everything. It is fine to say it's okay, it's going fine. Brother Hagen would talk about that. Uh, you know, people think, well, I'm lying. No, the circumstance may not be perfect. But that's not all we're taking into consideration. We know the one who is able to do the impossible. He's able to bring us through. And Brother Hagen would talk about this. You know, he, he got a hold of this at an early 
uh, when he was early in ministry, he, he said he, he had this uh, church that was a troubled church. He, when he took it over, he didn't realize it was a troubled church. And all the people around him, the older ministers, they understood what was going on and they, before he took it. And then he under, they understood it was a, there was a lot of problems. And so he just learned to cast his care onto God and just not worry about it and just give it over to him. So they would ask him, how, how things going? He goes, it's going great. Couldn't be better. And they said, and they would go behind his back and say, he's lying. I know he's got this problem and this problem and this problem, and he's not talking about any of it. And he would say, no, it's fine. Going great. Couldn't be better. What's he saying? I'm better. I'm good. I'm not talking about all that. I'm fine. It's, on, it's God's. I don't have it. I cast it over on him. See, they didn't understand what he was doing. And they told him later. Took, him, took them years, but he said every one of those people came to him for help at some point. And they came back to him, and they said, we didn't know what you were doing. We thought you were too stupid to worry. We thought you were just didn't have enough sense to know what was going on. And we found out you had too much sense, and you actually knew what was going on. You knew better than us. We actually understand. We, we see what you're doing now. We see that you were not worrying about it, that you were letting, you were casting it over on God. But Satan will try to get you uh, into a position. Have you ever had a question? Somebody's asking you a question and just putting pressure on you. You're already, you were fine. You've cast it over on God. Somebody asked you, and they're trying to get you to come back into the sense realm. They're trying to get you to look at the problem. That's not always by accident. I'm not saying everybody's devil-possessed. I'm not saying they're, but they, they can yield to something unconsciously. Isn't it funny how the very thing you're dealing with, they're asking you about sometimes? Very thing you've had to push off, now it's pressure. That's how Satan tries to lead you like that. It says, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he just countered and said, I'm not going to do that, because there's this scripture. He didn't go into it. He didn't have a long discussion. He just said there's this scripture, that's the end of it. Just countered it with the word of God. But notice how Satan was trying to come in at an angle, trying to get him to engage over here. That's exactly what he'll try to do with you and me. Verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment uh, of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me before me, all will be yours. He's trying to get Jesus to yield to him. And Jesus answered and said, get behind me, Satan. See what he did? He just, he just said, you? He didn't have to, I don't know, maybe he did yell, but he just told him. No. Get behind me, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, the very question, the very thing Satan asked him to do was, actually, was, was a falsehood. The thing he asked him to do was against truth. And, and Jesus recognized and said, no, I'm not doing that because this is what the Bible said. Verse 9, then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Notice he questioned him again, if you're the Son of God. 
For it is written, He shall give his angels, his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now he's quoting scripture again. He's quoting scripture and trying to get, get Jesus, saying, well, you know, I mean, the Bible says, the Bible says this. And Jesus came back and said, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So Satan came with a partial truth. He came with something, he quoted scripture, he misapplied it, and Jesus knew the word to know, you're quoting part truth, but you're also bringing lies. So the whole thing together, it's a lie. It's trying to push Jesus to do something against the word. So we need to, we need to know that when Satan comes at us with one thing, yeah, part of it may be true. Yeah, he may be quoting scripture, but we need to come back with other scripture and say, no, this, God would not lead me against these scriptures and, and go with what the word says and go with the peace of God and with the character of God. We need to understand, even though it may be a scripture, even though it may be partially true, we need to put it up against how does God lead? How does he act? How does he treat his children? And put it up against that test and say, no, this is not him. And reject it. Just like Jesus did. He didn't, he didn't yield to Satan for one minute. He didn't say, well, that's a good point. Well, you're right, and have a conversation. He didn't, he didn't waste any time. He just told him no, and he countered him. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, gives us a picture of what we need to do in these situations. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is truth. Anything that is an argument, everything, anything that brings itself up against God, brings itself up against the whole counsel of the Word and the leading of the Spirit, we need to reject and we need to take it captive and we need to cast it down. Because this, you don't want to entertain it. This is how Satan tries to lead people. He tries to get them to bite on something that's half truth. But, it, it, but if we'll look at it, it always, just like we just read with Jesus, it always exalts itself somewhere against the truth of God. And we need to understand, if it's not all true, then it's not true. And push back. The Bible said to resist the devil and he would flee from us. No, he's trying to lead you. No, he'll try to deceive you. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to um, be obsessed with it. You just have to know it's there, and you have to know what God sounds like and understand that Satan's going to try to come with things that look like him. So just because something sounds true, don't stop there and go, well, this must be God. Compare it. Bring it up against the truth of God's Word. And then if it doesn't line up, you're going to understand the more we walk with Him, we're going to know what he's, what, how He leads us. And if it's not Him, reject it. I don't care if it sounds true. If it doesn't line up against Scripture, we reject it. And the stronger we get in this, we'll reject things first. What, Satan will try to bring something, you'll be like, that's not God. Reject. 
Stuff that we would have gone around in circles. Well, I know, I know I'm not doing it. We'll just say, shut up, no, get out of here. We'll get more and more familiar with him. And we'll get more and more familiar with what's not him. And Satan won't have a foothold. Amen? 